um, in your, uh, that you come in contact with aren't necessarily super excited about Jesus or super excited about the church. In fact, there might be some an antagonistic feelings uh, towards uh, your uh, following of Jesus. And so what we've done is there's two different ways to respond to that. Um, sometimes in, in history, it's been kind of noticed through social, uh, social um, just um, how people interact that uh, tends to be like sometimes Christians will uh, separate themselves off and maybe kind of hole up in a, in a community, in a compound, in a, in a, and kind of like set themselves apart and, and, and for fear of culture kind of creeping in. We call that separatism. That's one way to experience um, how to live in this culture. Another way is to be uh, kind of uh, no different than culture. We call that syncretism. So your life doesn't really look like anybody else's life who uh, lives and in, in, in works and, and spends money in, in our time. Um, it's just that you go to church occasionally. Now, there's a third way we've talked about over the last 12 weeks, and we've learned a lot of things from the book of Daniel. We've learned a lot of things from the life of Jesus, and we call this a third way a creative minority. And the definition we're using, we'll throw it on the screen, is this. A Christian community in a web of stubbornly loyal relationships, knotted together in a living network of persons in a complex and challenging cultural setting, who are committed to practicing the way of Jesus together for the renewal of the world. And, um, you know, much like the time of Jesus, the time of Jesus, there were uh, followers of Yahweh. Uh, there were four different groups. There were the Essenes, and the Essenes were people who kind of cloistered themselves off lived outside of Jerusalem, out in the wilderness, and didn't want to have anything to do with uh, society. And then there were the zealots, and the zealots wanted to bring Rome down. They wanted to have a, like a violent reaction towards Rome. Then you had the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were uh, a community that believed that if everybody who was Jewish, every Jew in the land practiced the law and followed the letter of the law for just one day, it would unlock God's favor and free them from oppression in Rome. And then you had the Sadducees, and the Sadducees were a group of people that pretty much mixed in with Roman culture and society, and they got the benefits of Rome and yet still hung on to a little bit of their Jewish heritage. So you can see kind of how this played out in, in Jesus' day. But some of the themes we've talked about in the last number of weeks are exile, compromise, influence, non-participation, resistance, witness. We've talked about the theme of empire versus kingdom, and we've talked about hope. And so if you're new to this church, this place, um, these are probably some new themes uh, that you haven't maybe wrestled with in your life. And, and I have, I'll just be honest, this hasn't been an easy conversation for us. We've had to wrestle through some hard things. And what we've learned is that practicing uh, following Jesus, gathering for worship 
like stubbornly loyal relationships, gathering together for worship, gathering together for prayer, uh, scripture, solitude, uh, like taking ourselves out of the inertia of our culture and then inserting ourselves back in and God can do something with that. We've learned that church is not a commodity. Like this isn't something to consume, but it's a community to be fostered. We've learned that um, this isn't about a flashy gathering, but we gather actually to declare that Jesus is Lord, not only over our lives, but over our community and over our city. And so all of this is just kind of a new orientation, a new way of thinking, a new way of, um, of embracing our time. And so what we wanted to do today was something a little different. And instead of listening to me talk for like an hour, I don't talk for an hour, but you guys are like, it feels like an hour. <laughs> instead of me talking, what I wanted to do is invite up some friends, um, some friends just like you in our congregation. So I want to invite up Dan and Randy and Holly and Cami. Um, they are our panel. And so uh, you guys just come up and grab a seat. Um, I'll introduce them. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to actually, as a church this morning, get creative. Okay? We're going to get creative. We're going to hear from them. Um, I'm going to ask some questions of them. They're going to answer just honestly. I mean, th here's the thing. They're not up here because they've figured this out and they've got it all um, they're, they're just like, okay, we've been down there. I could write a book. Everything's fine. Um, but they're, they're up here because they're just wrestling with what it looks like to follow Jesus today. Um, quick introduction. Randy is a teacher and kind of an administrator. I mean, you're a big deal um, at a high school, local high school. Um, Holly is a singer and songwriter and very creative and super hilarious. Um, so maybe we'll have her tell some get you going. I'm just kidding. The bar is way up. Cami uh, Cosker is, is a artist, a mom, and she has worked with people on the margins and high school kids and kids and families for years. And you guys know Dan, who is um, a jack of all trades, the most interesting man in the world. Um, <laughs> Um, we joke about creating a documentary, calling it a Danumentary for Dan, um, because Dan has followed Jesus um, in very creative ways for a, a long time and um, has been a huge influence on me and us as a church the last number of years. And so I'm kind of moving, I don't want to be in people's ways, but um, so I'm just going to throw it out there for you guys to kind of begin. Um, like I said, they don't have this figured out. They were just stupid enough to say yes to this. Um, and <laughs> right? Yeah. No, right. And, and then, but here's the thing. When they're done chatting, we're actually going to open it up to you guys as well. So if you're new to our church, some of this stuff that we're talking about, you're kind of coming in at the end of a family conversation. So just bear with us. This isn't normal. Um, but hopefully you walk away with some, some, some things to chew on. Um, I just want to throw it to you guys. First, what has been stirring in you over the last 12 weeks of this series? Um, I'm not looking for like, hey, that was a great sermon. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for like what has been like messing with you or inspiring you or challenging you over the last few weeks.
take it away. All right, I'll jump in. <laughs> I think for me personally, uh, I feel like the talk about empire and kingdom and exile, I feel like the church right now, we're in a kind of a muddy gray area. We're kind of still part of that world, even though the world isn't there with us anymore, if they ever were. And um, we're not clearly rejected, uh, even though we're heading that direction. So I think for me, some of the difficulty has been thinking about how to live in the, in the gray and the mud. Uh, I'd like it to be more clearly black and white. So I don't know, some of those things have been stirring in my head. Yeah, I think for me, it's been a it's been a struggle. Um, I don't really like this series that much. If I'm being completely honest, um, uh, and, and and part of that is my my context is uh, I actually work at a Christian school, so my context is uh, people send their kids to our school to keep them from the world and to give them a proper. Um, biblical worldview so that eventually when they do go out in the world, they have a better feel of it. So my entire, like, what, what, I, what I live and, and work in is all about uh, kind of avoiding uh, a lot of the stuff that the world has. And so to, to, to sit here and have to wrestle with the fact that, like, my, my job directly places me kind of outside of a context of of being a part of the world and having to wrestle with these things is tough because it's it's calling me to go beyond the area that I work in and and experience and step out in some of these ways and, and that just honestly sounds like a lot of work. Mm. So I don't know if this. <laughs> <laughs> For me it's been the idea of contributing um, while resisting um, that it's not about the empire, but it's about um, contributing to the lives of the people around us and trying to make um, everything that we touch, whether that's um, a structure that is within the empire that we're living in or whether it's um, just the individual people trying to make that better. So. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I think for me, I've really enjoyed this series, <laughs> opposite. <laughs> um, but I think it's because I'm in an opposite situation where I'm in the music industry, which forever has been clearly separate. Like anytime a Christian finds out if, that I'm a musician, they say, oh, do you do Christian music? And it's, <laughs> it's like, what is that? You know, like, yeah, I'm a Christian and I like swear in my songs and I don't sing worship song. Like it's not, it's not like a separate thing. And so I love that this is a, a topic and a conversation between all of us um, and hopefully like the wider Christian community. Yeah. I like that it's, yeah, I like that we're talking about not being so separate. Right. I, I think that there's three um, kind of areas that are really big in our culture right now that are very difficult for us to navigate as followers of Jesus. And the first one is something called hyper-individualism. Like we live in a culture that is just so uh, individualistic. It's about following your heart. It's about 
Um, it's about your needs uh, first. It's about, um, it's about like if someone comes into your life and is difficult, reject them. What, what does it look like or how can we be intentional as followers of Jesus about a biblical community in a culture of hyper-individualism? What does that look like for you guys? Um, I think this actually is going to, this is where the, it's really hard for the church. I think most of us, even though we think we're community people, have swallowed the hook, uh, the fishing hook of individualism, and it's lodged in there pretty good. And I think that's where, when we get creative, that's where it's really going to be necessary to have community because you get a creative on your own, uh, you may last a little while, <laughs> but you don't have support and you need other people to sustain that, you know? And, and just think about when we sit down to look at the Bible together, like a 10 men table. One person has an insight here, another person has an insight here. I might have another insight. That just magnifies the ability to be creative and, and think together. When you're thinking by yourself, it's just you see fairly narrowly. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think uh, becoming a community that's stubbornly, with stubbornly loyal relationships is a huge risk. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's a risk that's worth taking and that the church needs to take in order to survive the next uh, 30, 50 years. I think it's going to be communities that survive more than individuals. And more than institutions. And more than institutions. Right. Yeah, exactly. I told them they didn't have to comment on all these things. So if you guys, you know, give me the look of I'm not saying anything, that's fine. I think it looks like um, ever-broadening circles of um, people within community, too. I think it looks like eclectic community. It mm -hmm. looks like um, being close with people who are not at all like you and who come from maybe even scary life circumstances or hard life circumstances. And it looks like um, not having an agenda for those people. It looks like just being in relationship with them. Um, we recently had a really close friend who was an alcoholic who we had been so dearly friends with for years, and um, he passed away He um, a couple of weeks ago. And I think it looks like having relationship with people, even if things don't go the way that you want it to for them, and trusting that those relationships are still valuable. I kind of... Um, saw the stubbornly loyal relationships thing in a similar way as far as the hyper-individualism goes because I feel like it is, we do need to be stubbornly loyal together as a, like the body of Christ and be loyal to one another and support each other. But I also think that just the phrase like stubbornly loyal relationships is not really um, a part of our culture anymore. And I think so often, like I think of my dad, he's one of the most like active and stubbornly loyal relationships and he has these 
long lasting friendships with people who he may only interact with like, you know, once every few years. And just the fact that he's been continually showing up to like somebody's show or somebody's event or when they're in town, he like will pick them up from the airport and that's it. That alone has built up over years to people saying things like, you know, I don't, don't believe in God and I never will. But you're the one thing that makes me kind of question that. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, literally all he does is show up, you know? And I think that we need to be stubbornly loyal to each other, but also just to the communities that we choose to invest our time and ourselves into, even if it's really crappy um, and really uncomfortable. One more thing. I think yeah. it looks like not withdrawing when I want to withdraw. I'm an extreme introvert, and I think it looks like... So this is fun for you. Yeah, this yeah. is awful. <laughs> this is my nightmare. <laughs> um, I think it looks like not withdrawing um, when you're having a hard time either and being stubbornly loyal through those situations also. It's, it's being willing to not just be the person who gives, but to um, avoid making projects of people by allowing them to have reciprocal relationship with you too. Yeah, I think that's a, a huge part of our world is when we get um, in a bad place, we go through rough times, we, t we tend to pull ourselves out, right? Because it's messy and we don't want people to see that. But that's part of being in community. And we have to allow, we have to let people see that. Um, and be okay with that, so. Yeah, actually, uh, I had experience with that. I'm also extremely introvert, although I, I'm high-functioning, <laughs> as we would say. Um, <laughs> I guess you could, right? you could call it that, I um, guess. If you can, yeah, but some would call Anyway, uh, a few years back, I was playing basketball, and I got a concussion from my son-in-law. Nice gift. And uh, I did a lot of crazy things in that time, and I didn't. I just pulled away. I actually ended up leaving my wife and driving for the New Mexico border and didn't know what I was doing. Somehow God brought me back. And the people around me, my, I had a friend, Ian, and the guy who gave me a concussion, Marvin, they both asked me, why didn't you talk to us? Why didn't you share with us about what happened? We're here for you. We want to be a part of your life. For me, it was allowing myself to be weak with them and saying, I feel like I, I feel like leaving my wife. And that was really hard for them. But then in the end, they were there for me. And I allowed them in and allowed them to encourage me and talk to me about it. And, then, and I also got over the concussion. But, uh, but that's kind of my tendency is to withdraw and pull away and rather than open up in some ways. Um, yeah. to, uh, to, so I think that's important that we do make ourselves weak before each other. Mm. Yeah, and a culture that doesn't value that, right? Um, second kind of area that we, we wanted to throw out to you guys is this idea of authority. And in, in our culture, the self is the highest authority. There's an external authority is to not be trusted. It's to actually be um, 
condemned, um, institutions, um, religious organizations, uh, whatever. And, and, and really, the only thing that we really can trust is ourselves and following our hearts. That's our culture. How do we seek to, um, I guess, put the authority of Jesus in our lives, put ourselves in, into the authority of Jesus in a culture like this? I mean, what does that look like for you? And you can all be thinking too. No one. All oh, right, Randy. Yes. Uh, it, it's interesting, right? Because there, there's a lot in the Bible about self-denial, right? Mm-hmm. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Or Philippians two, where it talks about Jesus actually like re- releasing his grasp on being God and and, and submitting um, and, and becoming radically obedient even mm-hmm. unto death. And the thing that strikes me, you know, so I work with, with Generation Z, who the studies that have come out recently say that they are increasingly narcissistic and decreasingly empathetic, which is terrifying. Um, because it is, it's, it's individualism, it's, it's how it affects me. Um, they have a hard time, like it, they, they, they look at somebody else's problems and they say, well, you probably did something to cause that. There's no empathy. There's no like, oh my gosh, like that's really tough. Um, unless, of course, they, they want an extension on their homework and they want you to be empathetic right. to them. It's not their fault, right? Uh, so it's, it's terrifying in, in, in the sense that we're, we're seeing this in our culture. But what, what, what I see as the big struggle is people aren't willing to accept the consequences for their individualism. So if you, if you um, are, are I, I got caught in a speed trap one time. I tell the story to my students all the time, right? I was, I was driving, speed limit was 75. I was going 75. Police officer pulls me over, says, you know how fast you're going? I go, yeah, I was going 75. He goes, speed limit's 55. I'm like, when did that happen? He goes, about a quarter mile back down the road. I totally missed the sign, right? So he gives me a ticket, thankfully for only 15 over. Otherwise, it would have been reckless driving. And I get up to the top of the hill, and the speed limit's back up to 75. It's like a, it's like a half a mile stretch going downhill where they switched to 55. Um, and he's just sitting there, like, nailing people. And I ask my students, whose fault is it? And they're like, it's the police officer's fault. I was like, no, it's mine. Like, I should have seen the sign. I was responsible for, for driving, regardless of what the intention of this is. Like, it's my fault for, for not seeing the sign, as frustrated as I am. But in a culture of individualism, people don't want to accept responsibility for their actions. And you have this in friendships, too, where, where a friend will, will bail out, and they'll do all this terrible stuff, and they want to come back in, or family members do this a lot. They want to come back in and pretend like everything's just fine, but it's not fine. Right? Our actions have consequences on the people around us. Right. As much as we want to think it's all about us and ourself, um, the reality is, is our, our web of connectedness makes, makes us accountable for our actions. And so if we want to be uh, you know, um, a creative minority, I think some of that is, is being willing to accept the consequences, admit our faults, um, and be willing to deal with those consequences, whatever they might be. Mm-hmm. I think one of the uh, interesting things about 
how this has found its way into the church world is that we have become a group of people that have added Jesus to our kingdoms. And so we have set the course for our lives and then we have asked Jesus to give his thumbs up. And I think that can be pretty counter what Jesus is asking. Um, and so apprenticing and actually practicing the way of Jesus together of denial, of, of, of confession, of um, reorientation and prayer and all of these things ends up changing a bit about what our authority ends up looking like. When I think of authority, I think about um, the kingdom that we're supposed to be building here and now, and it's a kingdom of love. You know, scripture says God is love. And so I think one of the disciplines that's important to practice is the discipline of seeing other people with love, seeing other people as precious children of God, no matter what they're doing or who they are, trying to put ourselves in a place of empathy for them and radical hope for, mm-hmm. for them and what God is doing in each individual person. Yeah. That's good. I, I think for me, too, uh, putting your, allowing yourself to be uh, other people to be authority in your life, other Christians maybe older Christians, now that I'm older, <laughs> I don't know, but um, when I was younger, I jumped into this. I've been in communities and allowed them to be authority in my life, and that has led me to confessing my sins before the church. That has led me to um, changing where I live, uh, that has led me to some good things. Sometimes it doesn't go so well. Um, but I think it's uh, worth taking the risk of allowing other people to be part of God's authority in your life. Hmm. Other people to say to you, hey, I think you're blowing it here. I think uh, this is wrong. Uh, or... Well, and those are the same people that hopefully it will say to you, I want to encourage you here. I think this is really good. But unless we allow other people and the church in some sense to be part of God's authority in our life along with Scripture and the Holy Spirit, I think we're shortchanging mm-hmm. ourselves. And it's super hard. The hardest moments in my life, when I look back, the hardest moments in my life were when I was held to account by the church. And I just wanted to run away and say, screw you. But I didn't. And it changed my life. Mm. But it was the hardest thing ever to do. And I think that's that stubbornness. Uh, If we could develop that as a practice, that'll help us Mm. and not hurt us in the long run. All right, final thing. This idea of in your life right now, where God has placed you in the communities you're in, your vocation, your neighborhood, your city, in your interaction with people in your life that are far from God, where do you feel like you can be more creative 
in your apprenticeship to Jesus? What has been kind of stirring in you about maybe a next step or a new horizon or a, a different perspective the people around you? My, I mean, I feel like um, this series and just talking about this has also um, convicted me in regards to my relationship to my music community or the community that um, I belong to in that sense. Um, I think I distance myself pretty easily just because a lot of my interests aren't the same interests as theirs or my life looks really different to their life. Um, or it's uncomfortable hours for me because I have to get up early and work at a coffee shop. But I also think that distancing myself from that community um, is ha has an effect. I think that um, I'm not the same as them for, and I know the reason, you know, my reasoning for doing music is not the same as their reason for doing music um, a lot of the time. But I think that I foresee like my future trying to get more invested in the lives of my fellow musicians, um, inviting people over for dinner, which is terrifying for me. I don't like people seeing personal things about me and my house has a lot of personal things about me and so like forget it we're not inviting anybody over for like I don't know that sounds like I'm the worst <laughs> I just don't like being vulnerable with people and I think that this journey calls for me to be open a bit more of myself up to people that I'm not 100% sure I trust yet and I think um, that maybe that's exactly what God's calling me to do and I also think that if I really trust God, um, then I'm not living in fear, which I think can also happen um, when you're with a bunch of people you don't trust. You live in fear of like, oh God, like what if you're just constantly like running this thing through your head and sieving things out and, you know, like got your thinking cap on and whatever. I don't know. My dad used to say that when I was a little kid watching, watching shows. <laughs> Put your thinking cap on. And I think that sometimes that can cause me to view my relationships with um, others as like a missional thing rather than just a genuine relationship where I'm genuinely interested in you and you're interested in me. Mm. And uh, that's, uh, that's all I have to say. Mm, that's good. <laughs> I guess I need to describe a little bit about my work for this to make sense, but... Um, I, I work at a treatment center for teenagers, um, and I'm in their school, and it's a lockdown facility. So my kids are um, some of the least stable teenagers in our community. They are not properly medicated and have severe mental illnesses. Um, for me, and, and actually I started this recently, because I think probably because of this series, um, it, it, it looks like just sitting out in my car and praying before I come in in the mornings and praying to be a um, point for the staff and for the students of just peace and love throughout the day. That whatever happens with my students, if somebody throws a table or um, 
any of the other just weird things that can happen at my work, um, that I respond to it with love and that I'm able to respond to it with peace. And that when a teacher, some of our new teachers are struggling, has a hard day, that I can respond to that in a way of peace. That's good. Yeah, so again, working in a Christian culture um, that believes in being cloistered um, and is highly reactive against anything that would um, come against that, um, I haven't quite figured out what what to do about that aspect of my life how do i how do i push people to 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 embody these things about being the creative minority when they genuinely believe that the empire that we're a part of as the united states of america is a christian nation and don't understand the post-christian peace and i mean it's just and and if you come against it you get fired and i like my job and so like it's this whole there's a there's a lot of fear behind that are we recording this <laughs> The institution has not been named, so maybe we're okay. Um, <laughs> so, so I think that's 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 a question that I'm still figuring out. And in the neighborhood, it's you know I I do I do whatever I can to hide the fact that I'm a Christian um, because as soon as it comes out, you're treated different, right? And kind of like you said before, like all my jobs have been ministry focused. And so it doesn't take long for people to realize that I'm a pastor. I mean, people move into our street and um, immediately like the other neighbors go, yeah, that guy down there, he's a pastor. And it's like, well, there, you know, there goes my chance of, <laughs> you know, remaining anonymous or, or whatever. Um, but I'm challenged by the fact that like, Unlike maybe some people who, who their neighbors don't know or maybe your neighbors don't know you're a believer, like all my neighbors know that I'm a believer and they still talk to me. And, and so I'm, I'm challenged by the fact that I actually do have a space in their life to talk to them about issues of faith uh, because they just, they already know. There's no like weird thing where I have to like break the news to them that I'm actually a Christian and I believe in all this weird stuff. Like they already, they already know, they already guess that. They know I work for um, a Christian institution. They know that I've been a youth pastor. Some of them have had kids that have been in my youth group. And so, uh, so it's there. So my challenge is, is, has been to, what does it mean to start like taking those conversations that I have all the time with my neighbors? Cause I know them really well. I'll come home. I'll go outside to do something, and an hour later, Aubrey's like, where were you? I was like, oh, I was having a drink with our neighbors, <laughs> you know? And it's, and she's, she's like, always, always you're gone talking to our neighbors, and, and yet I don't approach the subject of Christianity with them. Mm -hmm. and, and so the challenge for me is, is to just honestly start, like, taking that, and whether that's asking them, like, if they have any spirituality or just um, helping them understand why I make the decisions that I do and, like, like blaming the Bible for it and... Mm -hmm helping them see like that that's, that's part of my purpose. I think it's just a small step for me um, and a safe step because they already know. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm a creative person and my faith is my outlet for my creativity. I think if I weren't a Christian, it would be art or something else. But I really feel like God has called me to be creative in calling the body of Christ to things. I work at the same school as Randy, <laughs> but I, uh, I'm taking a few more risks at being 
uh, creative community. I'm trying to pray, pray for us in the next 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. That's all I can say. Please do. <laughs> but I teach Spanish, and I'm just I take what God has given me. I am a, a son of an immigrant, of a refugee, of someone who was in exile, and I think that's now that I look at it, it's a special gift to me as of being able to think in terms of that. Uh, I'm also the son of a, a mentally ill person and uh, have a lot of experience in that. And I'm taking all of that and trying to form my, com my classes in Spanish into communities that will reach out to, those, to people that speak Spanish in our neighborhood. We're, I'm taking my Spanish three class out into the neighborhood every Friday to find someone who speaks Spanish. And we've been surprisingly successful with that. I've, I've been blown away by, we've had, we've taken tours of a greenhouse in Spanish. We've done a cabinet shop in Spanish. We've, they've given us a tour in the factory behind the school in Spanish. We've talked with people in the neighborhood. Um, I'm trying to connect them with the community. So I'm trying to be creative with that. Um, you could pray, as Randy said, you can pray tomorrow I'm going to do something creative to try to draw the whole school uh, toward showing hospitality to strangers and in, especially in our neighborhood. Um, so I'm don't, I'm not going to say what I'm going to do because I don't want it to get out, but yeah. Bruce might, Bruce might say something. I'll take pictures. But uh, uh, I really uh, am taking a risk. One of the things I want to say is that's, this is where faith hits the road. Mm -hmm. You think faith is about believing Jesus is God and believing he forgives you. There's, faith is involved in that. But faith really hits the road when you start living like Jesus is a part of who you are and, and how Jesus wants you to live. That's what faith is for. The fear that we all express is real, but fear is only overcome by faith. And in order to be a creative minority, you have to take risks. If you're afraid of risks, you're in the wrong place for the, in the future of the church. The church is going to have to take risks, and, um, and that takes faith. Yes. And it also, I would add, it also takes time. Yeah. If we're as busy as the rest of the world is with the things of the world we will not have the time to be a creative people. We will not have the time to develop stubbornly loyal relationships. You need time, you need faith. And we have the other, we have hope. That's what we have, you know. Um, and so we can t take risk because we know what our hope is. Um, that's my encouragement. That's great, thanks Dan. It's a great wrap up. So what I want to do is just share with you a piece of scripture. Um, I was going to have some of you share, but the children's team would actually like to get rid of your children at some point this morning. And um, don't take that. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, where's your speed trap? Where was your speed trap? Your speed trap. Like Wyoming or something. So it was... We'll always get you up there. Just ask my son. Um, hey, the book of Hebrews is one of those interesting places in the New Testament, which 
stubbornly loyal relationships in a community following Jesus. And uh, the author of Hebrews said this. We don't know who the author was, but I'm going to throw this on the screen. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. May we be that together, right? And I know some of you, we're not going to do sharing because we've run out of time, but I know many of you have had stories and thoughts, and I want you to don't let those go unshared. Like, share that. Share what you're struggling with. Share what you're challenged by. Share what you need, you feel like your next step is. Um, And then I just would like to pray over you as a church because you are a brave church to continue to come back to a place that keeps talking craziness. So will you stand as we close? And I want to pray over you. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful, so proud of a church, of a community of people who are wrestling with what it looks like to follow Jesus alongside me. And I know my heart is always pulled, pulled to the old ways of doing church, doing Christianity, doing following you in a safe way, in a way that doesn't require risk from me. I'm always pulled to that. But God, like, just like Dan said, you are calling us to a risk-laden choice a choice not to hold our, hold ourselves off and cloister off into a, a, a community out of fear. And you're calling us not to give into the inertia of our, of our world that we live in with all the individualism and consumerism and everything going on, but you've called us to be something totally different, set apart. And so God, I just pray over this church that they would know the father that has chosen them, that they would know the son that has rescued them, and they would embrace the spirit that fills them, and that you would send us out into our worlds that we live in, hopeful, showing faith, showing allegiance to you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Next week, we, stop, we, t- we start talking about Jesus eating with sinners. So we would love for you to be here next week and uh, go grab some donuts and eat with some more sinners. <laughs>